Welcome to the first episode of The Big Question, presented by Friends and Film, a podcast taking an in-depth look at a specific movie-related question each week. On this episode, we'll discuss whether or not superhero movies are ruining the movie industry and moviegoers as a whole. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man whose most anticipated superhero movie of this year is Venom, Josh Straley. And you don't agree with me at Ab- all. Absolutely not. Ugh. But hey. It's Infinity War. That's the only right answer. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, but hey, don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows on iTown. I don't know. <laughs> iTunes. K- iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Yes. And if you can, leave us a review. It really helps. Yes, it will. Um, so we'll just, do it. we'll just dive right into this. Uh, hopefully, you guys, I mean, you're listening to this, so thanks for tuning in to the first edition of The Big Question. Hopefully, you guys will enjoy this discussion um, and want to keep listening to additional episodes. If you guys don't, then we'll probably stop doing them, but <laughs> hopefully, yeah, you guys like so these. So stay. Uh, stick around. Uh, we've picked a decently interesting topic, I would say, uh, <laughs> for our first episode. Uh, that being, um, are superhero movies ruining cinema? That is the question, the big question this week, and that came about after Jodie Foster made headlines um, with an interview she did with the Radio Times where she was basically just bashing uh, blockbusters overall, but then she specifically uh, took a dump on superhero movies. A, a incisive critique of the superhero film. Okay. How about that? Sure. Um, but she said, uh, this, is, this is her quote, she said, quote, Going to the movies has become like a theme park. Studios make bad content in order to appeal to the masses and shareholders is like fracking. Uh, you get the best return right now, but you wreck the earth. It's ruining the viewing habits of the American population and then ultimately the rest of the world. I don't want to make a $200 million movie about superheroes. Uh, and then she was later asked if she would ever direct a superhero movie. And she said only if it had, quote, really complex psyche or psychology. So, what do you think of those comments? I don't think they're entirely wrong mm-hmm. for, because she's approached and she got a lot. She got some heat for it, and she got a lot of defense for it. Like I've never seen a more divided, you know, internet scape after this. Um, a lot of people, mostly some of the cynical are saying, "Oh yeah, absolutely right," and then you know everyone's saying dead wrong. This is just how the evolution of movies in general. Um, but I tend to agree with the theory behind it. I just don't think we're quite there yet. I think we're in danger of it. And it's something that I've brought up to you, I think once or twice, um, in terms of star Wars versus Marvel, Marvel. Mm -hmm. Uh, but eventually, I mean, yeah, if it's kind of like Twitter in a way, this is my best, this is my best analogy for it our attention spans are sort of or you know theoretically becoming shorter because we're consuming shorter content um things are getting smaller compact we're always on the go we people are allegedly not reading books as often you know, i never they, read books yeah okay yeah that's not true actually <laughs> well, uh, no you read i just lent you one i read a, I, re, I read a couple of books okay but like the idea that a lot of Luddites are using is that like, you know, the internet and everything is ruining interpersonal relationships and our attention spans are waning and we just can't pay attention to anyone but ourselves anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like her theory only in 
movie form that superhero movies we're, we've co- we're coming to expect funny drama explosions all wrapped up in a two hour bow with conclusions and um, fairly open or not no, fairly closed knots and things mm-hmm. like that. The com- complexity kind of being taken out of the equation. That seemed to be like what she was saying. I mean, if you kind of drag it on all out. And I kind of agree with it because if you get your expectations trained on seeing a certain type of thing, mm-hmm. when you encounter something that's totally different, like say, um, oh gosh, Dunkirk for an example. Yes. How about that? A movie where there aren't really any heroes. They are just people doing their jobs. There's no, there's barely any dialogue mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's all about the visual experience. Um, some people liked the film. Some people didn't like the film. And like you fell on, and that's why I think this is such a crazy thing is because you fell on the, uh, it was just average. I mean, it's, it's better than average, okay. but it's nothing yeah. spectacular. Sure. Fair enough. And I think if Colton was visiting on the show today, he would totally <laughs> agree with me. Absolutely. That the experience of the movie is uh, what makes it so special. Mm-hmm. And that makes it so different. And that's what makes the movie overall compelling okay. to, you know, see and hear. And I think that's a very valid point. And are you, so are you saying that superhero movies are not that? I'm saying we're at risk. I'm saying I'm saying that I think we're at risk of the superhero film genre or the blockbuster tentpole genre because she expands it out a she yeah. widens it just a little bit more um, to say that like films like Fast and Furious Seven and Eight. Um, but she doesn't specifically call them no, out. But they are super expensive tentpole franchises that have you know, laced with humor, explosions, and romance. Mm-hmm. And they're in this, like, vein of sequels of never-ending, you know, film franchises. And I, I, I mean, I've got to, so that, I think that's kind of what she's getting at. Okay. And I, I tend to agree that, that we are at risk of sa- fast and safe films like that um, becoming the norm in cinema. And I don't think you agree or you, I would like to hear your point. Cause I can see you actually agreeing with some, what, what she yeah, says. Yeah. I don't, also... I don't think her, what she says is completely wrong. Okay. In the general sense that blockbusters are changing the movie industry. Okay. Um, and also I think the way people, maybe expectations going into movies, um, what movies people want to see more than others. Um, but I think it's, it, it is a reach to say that blockbusters are ruining cinema. They are ruining the human population. Uh, I think it, it is a very uh, big reach and specifically to call it superhero movies because it's, it'd be like calling out sci-fi movies 10 years ago. It's been like sci-fi movies. There's too many of them. They're too big. We're making too many sci-fi movies. We're not making enough small personal dramas that Jodie Foster can direct. That that doesn't line up. I mean, you can't, I don't think, point us at a specific genre to be like, that is the crux of the problem. 
I think superhero movies are absolutely the biggest genre currently. They're yeah. absolutely changing things, but I don't think that is a completely bad thing as long as they continue to evolve. Okay. Because if they like saying that like <laughs> that they will wreck the earth, that <laughs> they're ruining the viewing habits of the American population. Uh, I think there is maybe some truth in that where people will go into a movie thinking, all right, this is going to be big. This is going to be crazy. Um, it's going to set up a sequel. I need to sit through the credits. Like there's kind of like those trope you can expect on an mm-hmm. audience member. But I still think it's, it's more of Jodie Foster just being like, well, I'm not direct. Not, I don't think it's a jealous thing, but just being like, well, I'm not, a, I'm not interested in directing these movies, which means my movies won't be made because I don't want to make one of these big budget movies. So I hate them. Yeah. And so I think it just it just comes off as a little weird where especially then to say, Oh, I'd be interested in doing them if they had a really complex psychology. It's like who says they A don't, but also B can't. Mm-hmm. Like w- if Jodie Foster thinks they're dumb and boring and just, you know, explosion fests or whatever, yeah. Why not challenge yourself to change the genre instead of crapping on it? and just saying you're ruining cinema. Like I thought James Gunn had a pretty good response to it where um, I'll read it. It's like five tweets long. So it's a bit, it's a bit lengthy, but he said, uh, quote, I think Foster looks at film in an old fashioned way where spectacle film can't be thought provoking. It's often true, but not always. Her belief system is pretty common and isn't totally without basis. I say not without basis because most studio franchise films are somewhat soulless and that is a a real danger to the future of movies. But there are also quite a few er, exceptions for cinema to survive. I believe spectacle films need to have a vision and heart. They traditionally haven't. And some of us are doing our best to move in that direction. Creating spectacle films that are innovative, humane, and thoughtful is what excites me about this job. But to be fair, at least from Foster's quotes, she seems to be she seems to see filmmaking as something that's primarily about her own personal growth. Hmm. For me, that may be part of why I do this, but spending many millions of dollars on a film has to be about more than that. It's communication. So my experience is merely one spoke on that wheel. But... I respect Foster and her talent and what she's done for the uh, for the films, and I appreciate her different way of looking at Hollywood's landscape. And yeah, and that sounds like a pretty good. And you say you agree with like yeah, most I, of that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. What do you think Gunn's like saying there? Then I guess in your own, if you had to like kind of lay it out I in think, your own personal, uh, I, th- I think he's just saying that Foster is giving a slight at movies that I don't think she doesn't fully understand necessarily but that she is almost not willing to accept. Okay. Um, because if like he, he mentions, I mean, he obviously has a very close connection um, to them because mm-hmm. he's directing guardians, <laughs> right. guardians two, he's going to do guardians three and he's going to be involved with MCU movies for the foreseeable future. I'd believe after that as yeah. probably a producer or whatever. So he is trying to expand the genre beyond just, uh, what a X Men Age of Apocalypse is. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's trying to do something different. He's trying to infuse heart, um, soul. He's trying to infuse life lessons, um, but also doing something more than just wow, look at this cool explosion, that really good CG. Like, mm-hmm. 
War for Planet of the Apes is a blockbuster film, and you're are you like that's not a superhero movie, but I don't think that movie is ruining the viewing habits of people who see it. If anything, it'd probably enhance them. Um, you know, same with if you go in superhero genre, Logan, Wonder Woman, those movies are pushing the boundaries of superhero movies. Um, so, so to say that it just the umbrella term of superhero movies are ruining cinema, I think it's just it just doesn't add up to what they actually are. It's almost like she's looking at she she views every superhero movies like Batman and Robin or something. <laughs> These stupid, poorly made, yeah. ridiculous movies that are for children at best and can't be anything more than that where actually they can be thoughtful, they can be they can have important messages imported into them but she just doesn't want to look at them in that way. And I would be interested to know how many super movies Jodie Foster has seen in the last five years. I would bet it's not many. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really good point too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to speculate on how many she's seen, but there's definitely, it's hard not to see those comments and immediately think of universal and their dark universe mm-hmm. project that they tried to get off the ground this year. Because I think of The Mummy instantly. That movie had four or five sequels mm-hmm. basically announced um, before it even hit yeah. theaters. And that, and that, and The Mummy sucked beyond compare. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's the worst movie of 2017, probably, possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come very close. Okay. Um, uh, and then I'm trying to think of Transformers the last night. Uh, you know, and then all the Transformers save the first one before mm-hmm. it. How those just turned into CGI explosion fests. And, uh, and then I'm looking here at the domestic box office films. And I think part of why she honed in on superheroes is because they're the poster child for sequel serialized filmmaking. Yeah. And that may be where that ire is coming from because the top 15 movies, 13, 12 of them are all somewhat related to a, have a prior film or a sequel or, you know, exist within the same universe. So where that's coming from is totally um, understandable, but like you said, James James Gunn specifically speaking out about this is, you know, if anyone is to come, you know, cross not cross swords, but to add to the conversation, mm. it's definitely him because Guardians of the Galaxy one and two um, are some of the more personal Marvel movies that have been made. Mm-hmm. I would say, uh, I, the the entirety of the franchises, I think focus more on bigger ideas and then the Russo brothers sort of dip in towards um, political aspects, Mm -hmm. especially uh, Winter Winter Soldier. Soldier, So I think that's a really good insight, Mm -hmm. especially when he says about her own personal growth. Gunn was lucky enough to be able to adapt, write a very personal story, Mm -hmm. at least I would say, inside of those two films. So maybe the ire's coming from, and this is something that I worry about too, is 
like when Disney bought Fox. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I am still sort of against it is Fox Searchlight is there, and yeah. that's the that's the studio that has produced all of Wes Anderson's movies and mm-hmm. some of the other more delightful ones. Shape of the Shape of the Water, I think, is a Fox Searchlight film, mm-hmm. or at least distributed by yeah. it in some kind of way. So, if studios end up going all in on superheroes, which I which I think is not it's not going to happen, but mm-hmm. the potential is there. I suppose you invest everything into star Wars, Marvel and avatar mm-hmm. and really Scott gets his alien franchise back. They reboot it and they create a whole, <laughs> a whole new system for it. And then all the money goes into that. And then suddenly we can't do $30 million movies anymore because we've put all of our money into, you know, episode 27. And, you know, <laughs> and, and so like that's, I think that's a really good worry because then your whatever story you want to tell is going to have to, you know, go through a a much bigger, more fan-pleasing machine. Okay. And I think and, and I think that's what that fourth tweet that Gunn kind of says is filmmaking is something that's primarily about her own personal growth. Mm-hmm. To Gunn it's about showing other people or telling other people and he can do that in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. But for Foster I think he's trying to say that she's got something even more personal that she wants to do with hers. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's so maybe that is the, you know, where we're at. Yeah. But what do you what do you think of that? Uh, uh, as far as the you mentioned the Fox Searchlight thing, I mean, it almost seems like, and I don't think this is how things will go, but like. Disney over the last couple of years, every single year they're in the box office. They're number one. Mm-hmm. They're the best studio. They make the most money, and they do so by releasing like seven or eight movies, while other competing studios are releasing forty movies or more, and they're still trailing. So, but so how is Disney doing that? Because they're doing blockbusters. They're they're just basically looking at those. But now the Fox deal, they've already said they're not going to get rid of Searchlight. They're going to keep it around. And when we talked about that deal initially, I said that I would like to see studios, specifically a studio like Disney, you, when you make an Avengers movie or you make even like a Thor or an Ant-Man 2, that movie, most of the time, super movies are going to turn profitable as long as you understand what you have and you're not going to do like Gambit and make a... $180 million Gambit movie. Yeah. Do you really think that movie is going to make $700 million worldwide? Probably not. Um, as long as you can understand what targets and what goals you need to reach, these movies can become profitable and even insanely profitable in the case of like Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman has a production budget of like 120 or something. Mm-hmm. Movie made over $800 million worldwide. That means Warner Brothers made a lot of money. Yeah. And if you're Warner Brothers or if you're Disney or whatever, it would be my thought that you would use those profits or my hope would be that you'd use those profits to turn out small movies. I know that's just a hope. I don't think that's how things work, Um, but that's how I would like to see those movies be used. But also at the same time, blockbusters and especially super movies are the cornerstones of the box office. Like you mentioned, like 12 or 12 or 13 of the top 15 movies worldwide are either sequels or franchise films or whatever, because 
people go out in droves to see them. Jodie Foster, you make a personal movie, you're not opening up to $100 million worldwide. I would bet a lot of money on it unless that personal movie just so happened to be an IP or feature every single person that came out in August. There's nothing yeah. else around it for three months. Then maybe you have a shot. These huge movies are the cornerstone of the business. Whether she likes it or not, it's just kind of the fact nowadays. The same with, you know, Westerns used to be super big. Um, you know, sci-fi has always been pretty big. It's superhero movies specifically, but then blockbusters like Fast and Furious. Um, other franchises continue to be pushed up because they're IPs and because people go see them. Maybe that's maybe that's where she's coming from, and she's saying I can't make a movie that's not an IP. And at that point, I think I'd agree with her more because that goes back to the Hollywood system and how they're greenlighting movies overall. Um, but I still wouldn't say they're ruining cinema in that way. Yeah, it because it, well, in some ways, I mean. But what do you think of the charge then that when you do do these event films that cost, like you said, um, $100 million, $120 million, they're tying up four times of, like say Molly's Game, uh, which we reviewed this Mm -hmm. week, cost $30 million to make. When you do an Avengers Infinity War, I think it's like $150 million? It's probably over 200. Okay, yeah. So you're, you're... Whatever the you seven, can make, you can seven, make seven, times. seven times, yeah, right, yeah. You're doing your seven timesing, yeah, that film. So that's seven movies that don't get made, and right. you're tying it up into it. And she's, and that's why I think that fracking comparison came in is because you can put a minimum amount of resources into this, or not minimum, but you can yeah. put a set number of money into this, and you can almost guarantee yourself a billion at the box office mm-hmm. or seven hundred million at the box office, and it's. It's almost like, you know, not instant cash because you still got work right. to do, but there's a, there's an, it's easier to get a return on mm-hmm. it. And I think that's the worry. And, you know, especially when you look at Warner Brothers DC films, yeah. um, like Justice League and Batman versus Superman that, and oh, and Suicide Squad, I cannot leave that one out there. <laughs> or let's say Suicide Squad and Justice League, films that were just not good from head to toe. Um, in a lot of ways, they had a star-studded cast, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. ended up being ridiculous. Would it have been better to get a Zack Snyder movie made for fifty million dollars that's original, um, or you know, and see your other favorite directors be able to take on their own interesting projects instead of having Warner Brothers, you know, funnel four hundred million dollars into both those projects? Maybe, but. Is a Zach's like I don't know Zach Snyder's box office return numbers and all of his movies prior, yeah. but like Sucker Punch comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I don't think that movie did gangbusters at the box office, and it probably it costed probably less than fifty million dollars to make. Yeah. So, do you want to maybe put a lesser investment in, but you're still going to make a lesser return at the box office either way? So, it would be like. If it if Jody if you're gonna compare Jody Foster movie to an Avengers movie, it's like all right, would Disney rather spend two hundred million dollars on a movie that's going to make a billion, mm-hmm. or 
would they rather make seven small movies like Jodie Foster's that combined could make $500 million worldwide. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't make sense. And that's the, that's the battle between, you know, a diversity, like a diverse portfolio of art, mm-hmm. if you will, I guess. Yeah. And then say, I mean, this is just for framing her framing mm-hmm. versus a pop bot, you know, temple $200 million blockbuster right. film. Because uh, it is, it is, it is important to keep the entire film industry as a whole in mind, and not just superhero films. Because mm-hmm. when you frame this conversation in terms of Marvel films, it's hard to come down on Foster's side at all. Yeah. You know, because like as I think of most of the movies in the last three years, and they've been. Absolutely, they've been terrific at getting a a down to earth story in there somewhere, where you can you have a chance to connect with them. Mm-hmm. But if there's, I mean, you look at Superman, you look at or Man of Steel, sorry, yeah, and Batman versus Superman and Justice League and Suicide Squad, and it's just kind of like, oh, what did I just watch? type of a feel to it or you know the mummy where they were setting up for that and then you know fast and furious as fun as those movies can be at the same time they're still soaking up mounds of cash and mm-hmm. it's business versus art and that's kind of where we've gotten to our gotten right. the point we've gotten to today okay but i also think that this um just as we try to kind of close this out i think that this also goes back to uh, streaming and the rise of streaming services, whether yeah. that's Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney's own streaming service, mm-hmm. um, whatever the case is, you know, a movie like Bright, um, you know, costs like ninety million dollars to make for Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to make money back on that, but outside of subscribers, but it's just it. Those movies necessarily don't need to be money makers and quote unquote. So if I think that's part of the other thing from it for Foster or other filmmakers who think like her, they still want to have the big screen releases. Mm -hmm. They want to be on the big screen names on billboards, names up on theaters. Not when you open up Netflix, Jodie Foster's movie coming soon. Yeah. They don't want that. They still want the big appeal. And, you know, like I think Colton has mentioned on the podcast before and he mentioned to me again last night when I was hanging out with him that, like, uh, you know, he still doesn't think of Netflix movies as, like, official releases. Right. And I think a lot of people have that same mentality, um, not when it comes to, you know, ranking it or should it be in your consideration for a best movie of the year or something, but just in terms of, is it even a quote unquote movie at all? Um, right. Not just, you know, a, like a Hallmark movie that exactly. they threw up there to keep you around. But like Jodie Foster, big name. She just worked on Netflix on black mirror. Yeah. She did a decent job with her episode. You're t- I, I would find it hard to believe Netflix just signed, um, Matt Reeves and his production studio to a first look deal. Mm-hmm. So any movie Matt Reeves wants to make, Netflix gets first crack at it. That's huge. You're telling me that if Jodie Foster went to Netflix, that I have this cool personal story I want to tell, 
$15 million budget, whatever, are you interested? They're going to say, no, no way. We've got a billion dollars of yeah, content ready they, they would eat it up in a second. And yeah. I think that's probably where things go um, as we move forward, where movie theaters continue to become even more blockbuster oriented. And then you get, you know, smaller releases um, for Oscar contention, all that jazz. But then streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon start to become, or even new ones or studios make their own specific streaming services. Yeah. That's where they put those smaller movies because you don't have to worry about putting tens of millions of dollars into marketing to be like, all right, we spent $30 million making this Jodie Foster movie, but now we need to spend an additional 50 to market it. Yeah. And now we need to make 200 plus million dollars worldwide to crack even. Mm -hmm. That's just not reasonable. I mean, but if it goes on Netflix, Netflix just puts it up there every single day. It's on your homepage. Jodie Foster movie coming with a ticker. It's coming in seven days, whatever. More people will probably see that. Like we talked about with the bright sequel coming 11 million people watched bright in the first three days on TV. I would assume Jodie Foster directed movie would do a decently good launch as long as it had good stars. Was a in the bright was a terribly reviewed movie. Imagine if that had a great reviews. Right. Yeah. Probably would be higher. A hundred million people have Netflix subscriptions, right? Or right. something, something or even crazy. higher than yeah. that. Movie Pass is at like a hundred million subscribers. I thought it was like at a million. Oh, a million. There we go. That okay. sounds better. That sound better? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I knew they crossed a milestone before Spotify and yeah. Netflix that did really well. But yeah, and that, I mean, that is, that I think that's where there's, I mean, listen, I, I Jodie Foster is the proest of pros at everything and I am someone for behind a microphone, but I think there's a, I think there's a little bit, I don't want to say naivety, but I think streaming is the future. Mm-hmm. And, and once she, or a future. Yeah. And that's going to be where those films wind up. Um, I just watched Super Dark Times, it's, which is on Netflix, yeah. by the way. Uh, a movie that did not come in th- to theaters anywhere near here with a with one of these $30 million budgets. I think it was mm-hmm. lower, less, but super good, super personal story that, yeah, would probably, if it had anywhere else to go, probably wouldn't have gotten made, right. but it was financed through all sorts of ways and then sold its streaming rights to Netflix instantly. Mm-hmm. The big sick did something very similar with where Amazon, yeah, mm-hmm. they had production lined up and then streaming rights and, you know, kind of like ownership of the film after the fact sold mm-hmm. to Amazon immediately. And that's how they finance their project. So there's so many different avenues now that have opened up outside of the traditional movie studio, mm-hmm. um, sign release into theaters methods. And you're, yeah, you're a thousand percent right that getting your, your movie piped into a hundred million people's homes across the globe mm-hmm is just as good if not better yeah probably better you know than having a movie at the bottom board with three showings a day mm-hmm. at some theater in Indiana exactly yeah um, so do you have any other closing thoughts on this are super movies ruining cinema they're they're I think you said it at the beginning they're part of the evolution of cinema um, but we can't forget that streaming 
is now a part of the movie going movie watching yes. and experiencing um, experience. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Didn't seem uh, right to say that. Yeah, I would. I mean, as far as the big question goes, are superhero movies ruining cinema? I would say no. They're not ruining them. They're simply changing cinema. They're changing the Hollywood system. They're changing uh, movie going habits. Um, you know, whether that's for the better or worse. I think that's still up in the air at this point. I think it also comes down to each individual's um, interests. I mean, again, 100 million people are not going to turn out to go see a Jodie Foster movie opening weekend like they will do for a superhero movie. But that's just because of the wide four-quadrant film that the, the that these movies are. Jodie Foster movie probably wouldn't be. Um, so I think there's a, there's a lot of factors in here. Four-quadrant um, film. Nice one. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to, obviously, I mean, as far as this subject is concerned, I do not agree completely with Foster, even though I do think she has some merit to what she's trying to convey. Um, but I think James Gunn did a better job explaining, I think, maybe where Jodie Foster's coming from, what she's trying to say, than what Jodie Foster said. Yeah, well, he. Yeah, I think he picked it up, and he picked it up what she said and framed it in a much more blockbuster-friendly way. Right about that. Yeah. Versus um, her antipathy, antipathy towards the system as a whole. Yes. Um, so that is all we have for our first edition of the Big Question. Hopefully, you guys liked it. We'll be back again next week with another version of this. If you guys have any thoughts on what or any questions we, you think we should answer or discuss like this, uh, send them in to us at Twitter at Friends of Film or you know comment on Facebook or you can uh, tweet each of us individually. I'm on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, should retweet, and more. Plus, head right to us and say five-star view with comments. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of a Podcast, Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to return next week for our review that we'll do of the post as well as the future edition of The Big Question. 